Good morning or good evening. Tom Moran from Tom's Big Spiders here on a rare afternoon. Normally when I do the podcast, it's on Saturday morning. And lately I've either been under-caffeinated or in the case of the last one, uh, over-caffeinated. But this one, it is basically Thursday afternoon. I have exams at my school, so we get off the half day. So I came home, figured that'd be a good time while the house is relatively quiet. Dogs are all napping behind me to get a podcast done. So Hopefully this one will go well. I do have a problem sometimes trying to pretend that I'm a little more peppy than I might actually be. I'm not a morning person. So I'm awake. I'm not over-caffeinated. Let's see how this one goes. So to kick it off, we are going to go back to the list. I know I said, we're going to be a little click here because I do have this up on Facebook. The list of questions people have given me has been amazing, and I said it would obviously make for a lot of podcasts. So what I tried to do in the last couple is cover some of the smaller, shorter answer ones. On this one, it'll be one or two of the ones that will require longer answers. So again, keep in mind, if I haven't responded to your comment yet, it's coming. I will answer every single one of these, maybe even the one where it asked my age, and we'll basically continue building on the list too, because it sounds like people are still uh, offering some questions. So we'll keep this going as long as people... People want to. I, honestly, I find it more fun and more interactive to respond to people asking questions. Again, I like coming up with my own topics, but I find it, I don't know, it just feels more natural when I'm answering somebody's question. It's kind of what I do all day long anyway from the comment section of YouTube and my website and my email. So it just kind of feels more natural to me and it feels like I'm having more of an interaction with people. So we'll keep these going. Obviously, there may be stuff that comes up where I want to do my own topic, off-topic thing, but please keep in mind, I will answer all these uh, as fast as possible, you know, as, as soon as possible. But if they did ask something that you feel like dated or time-sensitive and you really like my response to it sooner, please feel free to let me know in the comments and I'll, I'll address it. I don't want people waiting forever like, hey, I had a question. I was hoping to find out this week and you're taking forever so please feel free to let me know if you want me to check it out and answer it i can always shoot you an email so i don't spoil it for everybody else but all right so this question comes to us from chris purchase chris asks actually there are two questions we're going to start with the first one the pros and cons of different enclosures example acrylic versus glass versus plastic tubs Great question. I've had this debate quite a bit, and it's it's one where there seems to be kind of two sides of it, those that don't understand why you would spend a lot of extra money on tarantula enclosures when you can put them in something simple that you could pick up at Hobby Lobby or Walmart and save money and therefore buy more tarantulas. And those people that think, why would you buy this gorgeous animal and stick it in a milky stir-like container and stack it in a room? So let's go through. I do have experience with all of these. And full disclosure, I do have all three currently in circulation. I have glass enclosures. I have acrylic enclosures. And I have a lot of sterilite or plastic container enclosures or found, you know, kind of do-it-yourself enclosures. So I do use all of them. I think they all have their strengths. I think they all have their weaknesses. And I do think a lot of this comes down to personal taste. Again, I don't like dealing in black and whites. And this one here is definitely a big gray area topic. And I'll give my final thought on it, but please understand no matter what side of the fence you're on, there is really no right or wrong answer here. It all comes down to matter of opinion. So we'll start with aquariums. I don't use a lot of aquariums. I did back in the day. I had some in circulation when I first re-got it, like really got into the hobby. And then my first tarantulas, I had one of them. It was my AC Monty. I kept in a glass terrarium. I had two different ones. One of them was not appropriate. One of them was. My only issue, and I'm going to put this out right in the front, 
a lot of people approach me who are either brand new to the hobby or getting into the hobby with the old, hey, Tom, I have a 20-gallon aquarium sitting around here with nothing in it, and I'm looking to get a tarantula. Will this be a good home? And I think a lot of folks were used to seeing them in the pet stores kept this way. I know when I first got into the hobby in the 90s, a lot of people kept them in the aquariums. And again, just to preface this, the, many of my issues with the aquariums only come from people who aren't don't realize they're not as they come usually suited for tarantulas. A lot of them come with you know inadequate ventilation or they have the tops that are the wire tops that they can get their toes caught in or they buy the ones that are meant for reptiles that again, their toes can get caught, on, caught in. So a lot of my reservations about aquariums are, come from the fact that I get approached by a lot of beginners who have one lying around and decide this is going to make a good home for a tarantula and then it turns into a big long discussion between myself and this keeper about why they may want to rethink that. So let's get into the pros of aquariums. A, they are incredibly attractive. I don't think, I've seen some absolutely gorgeous setups in glass aquariums. I think people that do the naturalistic ones uh, really particularly put together some nice setups and I think if you want to see something where it doesn't obstruct your view, you get a you know beautiful view of the tarantula from all sides and you can set it up with some you know, obviously it's something you could plant. Uh, the people that do the bioactive ones, a lot of them will use glass enclosures. A lot of, you know, aesthetically, they're gorgeous. They're also readily available and relatively inexpensive. I, Petco, I believe, has one where you pay by the by the gallon. It's like a dollar a gallon. So you can get a five-gallon one for five bucks, 10-gallon one for 10 bucks. I've seen them even cheaper. A lot of people will go on Craigslist and go, uh, Craigslist and go to yard sales and pick some of them up there, which is they can find them very cheap. I know a buddy of mine was all ecstatic because he had basically found a bunch of tanks from somebody that used to keep fish. And picked up, I believe it was like 20 of them and paid like 10 bucks or something. The guy just wanted to get rid of them. They were taking up space in his garage. So they can be very, very inexpensive. And for people who are handy and want to do or the do-it-yourself type, they can be, if you're skilled, they can be retrofitted to be used better for tarantulas. For what I mean, so what I mean by that is one of the big issues with them that I have is I do like ventilation in the sides. I like that cross ventilation. And most terrariums or fish tanks right out of the box do not offer that. They're usually, I mean, if you get the reptile ones, they're going to have the wire mesh on the top or the wire grating. If it's a fish tank, it's going to have, you know, the hood, whatever. But they don't, right out of the box, they're not generally appropriate for tarantulas, in my opinion. Again, I just, they can be used and people will use them with the screens on the top. And I know some people have had success with that. That's fine. I'm not going to argue that point in this one. But a lot of people like to have that cross ventilation. And you can, basically, you can drill glass. You can cut holes in glass. There are folks out there that are quite adept at cutting glass and making their own glass enclosures. I have a buddy of mine who has a YouTube channel called White Rose Tarantula. Great guy, great channel, a lot of stuff that, you know, definitely encourage it. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast, but he does some tutorials where he actually shows how he builds them online. It's amazing to me. So if you have the skills, you can do a lot with glass and a lot of people will pick up the cheaper ones and then go and do, they'll drill holes in the side, put the custom vents in. They do a really nice job fixing them up. Obviously the tarantula guy who used to put 19, tarantula guy 1979, I believe it is, who's was on YouTube years ago when the first big tarantula YouTubers did these arboreal ones where he would turn the 
10 gallons on their side and the five gallons on their side. So they were standing up and then he would build plexiglass fronts with venting. There's a lot you can do with them. And most of them look really, really nice. So I think aesthetically, a lot of people that get into the hobby, they get into tarantulas that want to have nice setups that want to bring people in there and go, not only here's a beautiful tarantula, but here's a beautiful naturalistic setup can find a lot to like about the aquariums. And I, again, I can't argue their use. I do. My big issue is that people that don't, that won't hear this podcast, that won't know that some of these things need to be adjusted to be better fit for tarantulas, will just have ones lying around, usually with the wire on the top, throw a tarantula in them. They'll throw in a couple inches of substrate, which leads too much height. And that's the big one I have is I have a lot of folks that they get the 10 gallon aquarium, they get their little four inch G Porteri that they just picked up from a pet store and they drop it in there with, you know, a little bit of fluffy cocoa fiber on the bottom, a bunch of decorations that have sharp edges, and then they have a spider that's crawling around in basically a death trap. And I have to tell them, listen, you want to put like seven inches of substrate in there, keep all the sharps away from the edges, anything with a sharp, hard edge, water dish, plant, uh, hide, whether it may be put toward the center of the enclosure so that if they do climb and fall, they don't get hurt. But again, that's my own personal bias against them is basically that the beginners not understanding how to properly use them. However, that aside, that's a small thing. When people know what they're doing, get a hold of these things. They're amazing and they make excellent tanks. And again, people that really know what they're doing, like you know my buddy at White Rose Tarantula, they can actually build their own. They can do some awesome stuff and it doesn't cost a lot of money. From what I've gathered, it's rather inexpensive to do your own glass working. Um, the cons of these, my big one, the big reason I don't use them as much is say the, the acrylic ones is because they're heavy. And I'll explain a lot of times to get one of these things. If I'm going to use an aquarium, like a 10 gallon or a five gallon, I'm going to have to fill that with enough substrate to make sure that a, a terrestrial doesn't climb, fall and harm itself. Or B, if I'm using it for a, say, fossorial species, do they have enough room to dig? And unfortunately, if you're using dirt, and I use a lot of dirt in my collection as far as substrate, you are going to have a very heavy tank. And I like to take my tanks out when I feed and do maintenance. I bring them out into my dinner table, so I have a lot of room to work. I can look in there with a flash. I can clean things out. It just gives me more room to work than having it sitting on the shelf while I do things. And I have spoken to other keepers that have similar practice where they pull out their tanks to do all the maintenance and the feeding and everything. This can be a little tricky. So if you have a bunch of 10-gallon tanks on a shelf that are all filled up with dirt, that's going to be pretty heavy. So they can be cumbersome. The other thing is, again, I understand that if you know what you're doing, they're easy to work with as far as glass is concerned. Glass can be drilled. You can do holes in it. You can do the vents, all that. That's great. But unfortunately, a lot of people out there just aren't that handy and don't have either the skill or the, even the confidence to approach something like this. I mean, a lot of times, I, I, sadly, I'll see people go, oh, I, 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 don't, I, I was going to use glass, but it didn't look appropriate. And somebody will jump on and go, oh, yeah, just drill it, do this, this, and this. Well, that's good. And having worked with my hands before and having done, you know, I, back in the day, I worked on boats. I've, I've drilled glass before. I've done all types of carpentry, things of that nature. So I consider myself kind of a handy guy, and I do have some skills as far as that kind of stuff goes. So I feel confident in experimenting with it and playing with it. Some people do not. So I do think it needs to be mentioned, although people that know how to do it, it's it's very easy to you. For some people, that are, especially the ones that are just getting into the hobby, they're usually finding these 10-gallon aquariums and being told that they need to retrofit them to make them more appropriate. 
this can be a little bit challenging and intimidating for them. So I, I do think we need to keep that in mind. And again, uh, I, it's something I want to get into. I have a garage right now that looks like it should be in an episode of Hoarders because all I've got is stacked up old enclosures and, and boxes. and t- it's, it's really kind of embarrassing. We've been planning to clean it. I have my weight set out there. My 15-year-old son is dying to lift weights, but we can't even move around really to get to them. But hopefully our plan is to get that cleaned up so I can have a little more of a workshop. And I'd love to ex- do some experimenting with the glass. I'd love to do some of the do-it-yourself stuff because I can't find things out there that really fit what I like to use. But aquariums work great. And I will say the Exoterras that everybody likes to use, the Nanos and the Smalls, I do have a caveat with those, but those can be great. I've, I've actually shifted to using them for a lot of my arboreals because they're relatively inexpensive considering the, the size of them. You can usually pick them up for 35 40 bucks if you're really paying attention, which I think is reasonable. I like the fact that they open from the front and the top. I do think that they should be fixed where if you pull out that screen that goes on the top, they can get their feet caught in there. So a lot of folks like to pull that wire mesh out and replace it with drilled plexiglass. I think that's a prudent move. The foam in the background, I've done demonstrations of this where if you keep the foam in there, I would trim away the sections that allow for wires to be run in the back so it fits flush because spiders can climb behind there and get trapped, which is a big pain in the tuchus. So I do like the Exeterra. The one thing I will say is those are not appropriate cages for specimens that need to burrow. I've seen a lot of people pick up the Exoterras or the bigger ones with the double doors, the 12 by 12 by 12s, and they don't hold enough substrate as far as I'm concerned compared to their height. You have something that's 12 inches tall and you can only stack in about three inches of substrate. I know some folks will get more creative with it and kind of slant it so it goes down from an angle from the back, but that still leaves pretty pretty good gap in the front. And I have a lot of folks that will be like, hey, I just picked up a Theraphosa Sturmy and I picked up an Exoterra 12 by 12 by 12. Will this be a good enclosure? Well, my gut instinct is no, absolutely not. And I normally don't draw lines in the sand. But you need something with some depth for a species like that. You want to keep that substrate moist. You want to keep it moist. It's easier to put in a lot more, pack in a lot of deep substrate. And I just don't think those offer it. Now, I've seen some beautiful setups with these things, with the, especially the 12 by 12 by 12s, where they put species in it that are kind of semi abortive or heavy webbers. So for example, I believe my buddy Mark from Mark's Tarantulas had his M. Balfouri commune on it. He set it up in a way where there was a slope with the substrate and then put a lot of sticks and everything in. So what happened is they filled that thing up with webbing. It was perfectly safe. I saw one recently, I think with an OBT where they set it up semi-arboreally and I've seen them with GBBs. That's something I'm actually eyeing for one of mine, a 12 by 12 to put my GBB in with some climbing. They're not really a true arboreal, but they will go up off the ground a little bit. They've been observed in the natural going in the bottoms of bushes and stuff. So I think a setup like that where they'd web would work great. But keep in mind those glass ones as far as, you know, especially that little one they got, the 8 by 8 by 8 I bought one of those a while ago, the Exoterra Nano Small or Short, whatever it is. And they're really, I haven't found really anything it's good for. I might stick some roaches or something or maybe a scorpion in it, but they just don't allow for enough of that substrate that you really need. So to encapsulate the aquariums, they're cheap. They're easy to come by. If you know what you're doing, you can fix them, make them work perfectly for what you want to do with them. My issues with them is they can be a little bit heavy if you're using a fossorial species or filling it with a lot of dirt. And again, not everybody feels comfortable working in glass. So I think that's something that needs to be mentioned. But overall, they they work really well. Just make sure you're careful with those screen tops because yes, they can get their legs stuck in it. I get usually once or twice a year, somebody calls me up with finding one either dangling or in one case, the spider lost two legs. They got stuck in that top. So keep that in mind.
So continuing with the type of enclosure that somebody that wants some, uh, you know, a really beautiful setup would go with, will go on to the acrylic enclosures. I happen to really like the acrylic uh, acrylic enclosures. I have several of them in my collection. And what do they offer as far as pros? They're gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. They can be done almost completely crystal clear. So you have just a, a full clear viewing angle, no matter which way you're looking at it. Unlike aquariums that have that, you know, black around the bottom or the black around the top, it's completely clear. A lot of places will offer them in a number of different convenience sizes, like 5-gallon, 10-gallon, whatever it may be. They're lighter than glass. That's my big thing for it. When I had to get my M. Balfouri enclosure when I was about to rehouse my whole communal setup, I did look into possibly setting up like a 20-gallon tank for them of glass but then I realized I'm going to be moving this tank in and out of the room and if it's filled with dirt it's going to be heavy as all get out so I opted for acrylic instead because acrylic's a bit lighter I just I like the looks of them. I like the way they you can sometimes buy some that will stack, which is a big deal. I've you know that's I think as far as like the Jamie's enclosures, those actually stack pretty well. So if you're trying to fit more than one on a shelf, that works great. So for those looking for one of those high end beautiful enclosures, these things look fantastic. Now some of the cons. A, they can be quite expensive. That has to be thrown out there right at the get-go because anybody that's looked into buying acrylic enclosures, some of these things are super pricey. And the biggest complaint I get from people who look at my acrylic enclosures and go, man, why didn't you just go with glass? is the fact that they can cost so much more than a glass aquarium. So, for example, a 10-gallon glass aquarium, you can we've already established you can sometimes pick up four or five bucks at a yard sale, 10 bucks for a brand new one. As far as an acrylic enclosure, however, you're looking at probably 60 to 80 bucks at least. With some places, when you factor in shipping, they can go even above that. So that's a lot of money to spend for a slight aesthetic upgrade, if you consider it that. Some people find the aquariums to be just as pretty as the acrylic. Some other issues with them, they are not particularly durable. They scratch very, very easy. So folks that are used to filling them with dirt and then dumping the dirt out can find that the dirt, even just gently pouring it out, can scratch up the side of the enclosure. It does not take much to scratch these things up. They also are prone to warping. There's a certain type of acrylic that's non-porous or not as porous as the other stuff, but it's usually much more expensive. And folks don't usually use that for building these types of enclosures because it would make them too cost prohibitive for people. So that type of acrylic would prevent warping. It doesn't absorb as much moisture, which causes the acrylic to warp. Unfortunately, the stuff that people use does allow for warping. And I've had many instances of people telling me that they bought enclosures and it's gotten really humid all of a sudden and they warp all over the place. I had some issues with my one that I have the M. Balfourian. Luckily, it didn't warp all that much. But when I first got it, there was a point where it was kind of stretching and absorbing some. It was the humid time of summer and it did warp a bit where I was having a hard time getting the latches undone. It's fine now. I've also got some older ones I got from Lorex Plastics where I had kind of the same thing happen, but nothing so bad so far that would prevent me from using them. Just something that makes it a little annoying when you're trying to put something up on your shelf that's aesthetically pleasing and more so annoying when it tweaks in a way that the hinges lock and you have a hard time getting it open. So that's something people need to be aware of. Jamie's enclosure, she's done a good job at preventing this. She's put double latches on some of her newer tanks so that the little, the door, which is usually a little bit thinner plastic or acrylic than the rest of the enclosure, uh, she had some issues in the past with those warping, but now there's two of them, so it kind of holds it in place, which works great. I have three of the her older enclosures with only one hasp. I've never had any issues with those, but I know somebody who bought three and had some serious warping on the corners. So something to think about that with acrylic, warping is kind of the norm. You are going to get some warping, so just be prepared for it. Normally, though, it isn't enough to ruin the enclosure or make it unusable, and that's important to note. 
Now, a little tip for those who want to use acrylic enclosures, if you're putting terrestrial adults or juveniles in them, you want to make sure that they have drilled holes in the side, which unfortunately is a bit more pricey usually, rather than just uh, the old wire mesh vents. A lot of people will use the wire mesh vents. The issue is they can chew right through that wire mesh. I have proof of it. I have a Lazyodora Parahibana female, an LP, that actually chewed one and pulled the whole screen right out of the thing. So not only could she have escaped, luckily I caught her and it was kind of against something so she couldn't get out, so I caught it in time, but they could hurt their fangs on that. So do know that if you're using these for terrestrial or fossorial species, you want to make sure that you have those drilled holes. You want the good cross ventilation and you don't want those wire mesh ones because they'll go right through them. It doesn't seem to be a big deal with the arboreals. I've yet to have an arboreal chew through or attempt to chew through. It seems like more the terrestrials that are used to probably in the wild chewing through stuff to make their burrows and whatnot. However, I wouldn't put it past them for being able to do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody chimed in on this and said, hey, I have one that chewed through it, but I haven't seen it with my arboreals. But do know that if you get acrylic, try to get ones that have the drilled holes, not the ones that have the vents. Or if you get the vents, they do have the plastic ones that seem to work pretty well. I've yet to have one chew through one of those. But they will detect where the air is coming through, and they will investigate. They will chew, trust me, and they will get right through it. I don't care how hard, uh, you know, strong you think that wire is. So for comparison purposes, what do these actually offer over the glass aquariums? it's ease in some cases. They're, they're already made for, if you buy them right, they're already made for tarantulas. They have appropriate tops. They don't have the wire tops. So you don't have to worry about getting a new top or replacing it with plexiglass. You can have the appropriate side ventilation where you'd have to drill an aquarium and they are a bit lighter. So I think in many cases they are very attractive. The, the, if you're to rate attractiveness, they're both very, very similar. I think it just comes down to how much work somebody wants to put into it and the fact that you can buy an acrylic enclosure and be ready to go where technically if you buy the aquarium, you're going to have to make some changes to it. So I think for some people, they don't mind spending a little bit extra money. If it's just easier, they can literally put all the fixings in it and have an appropriate tarantula home right out of the box. Now, on to probably the most divisive of all the enclosure types, the plastic boxes or plastic bins. Uh, let me just get it out of the way right now. Personally, I love these, and I'm going to explain why I'm starting to gravitate away from them. And again, I will explain why. But these tend to, people that use these tend to get more abuse than people that use the the high end ones. Now, I have seen people made fun of. I've been on forums before where people have talked about going out and spending money on acrylic enclosure, and somebody's come on like, "Why would you waste your money on that? You can just go to Walmart and pick up a Sterilite bin for a dollar ninety nine." And again, that's just people pushing their own beliefs on somebody else. I don't believe in that. However, I have gotten, even on my own videos, some grief from people who don't understand why you would buy a tarantula and put it in a little uh, plastic box. I had somebody come on that I believe was from Germany and explain to me that apparently, and this is what this person told me, so if anybody's from Germany that wants to dispute this, please feel free, but told me that in Germany they make fun of Americans for just taking these beautiful spiders and sticking them in plastic boxes. They put them in beautiful vivariums with living plants and everything else. So that was an eye-opener for me. But the plastic bins, let's go through the positives of them first or the you know the, the pros a they are cheap they're very very cheap a lot of people spend a lot of money on spiders and they don't have necessarily the money to go out and spend on huge setups for them and they can go out to the local walmart or hobby lobby and pick up an appropriate plastic container that they can very quickly retrofit to be a great 
home for their tarantula. And they're also very, very, very easy to come by. I stress very because I have more often, more times than I can count, had to sprint out to Walmart to pick up an enclosure. Back in the day when I first started ordering and I didn't have a bunch of, you know, extra empty enclosures in my garage, I would pick something up and the enclosure I had for it was either too large or too small. And you go into panic mode, very easy to run to your local Walmart and pick the appropriate size box or container or bin, whatever you want to call it, up. Bring it home, put some holes in it, put some substrate in it, you're good to go. And I think for a lot of people, that is a huge deal that when you're when you're getting a lot of spiders and doing a lot of rehousings, you want something that's convenient and cheap. So I totally get that angle. The fact that you can easily set one of these up in a pinch makes them very valuable. And I think a lot of people become comfortable with them. The fact that, especially if you're using the Sterilite or Rubbermaid type stuff, they come in so many appropriate sizes for tarantulas. So you could, you could literally buy something from, you know, for a one inch sling. They have a container that's a perfect size for, say, a three inch juvenile. And then you have the big bins that you could use for the big adults, whether it be fossorial, arboreal, or terrestrial. They really do offer just some very convenient sizes. So once you get in the hang of using these, you can basically go out and buy whatever size you need. You're familiar with the sizes. You can look it on the shelf and go, that's exactly the size I need. Bring it home, make the adjustments to it. You're good to go. So I think for a lot of people, those are some of the big pluses of them. Furthermore, for those of us who get larger collections, the stackability is just fantastic. And that's why I use a lot of them for my juveniles and smaller specimens because shelf space is a premium. And again, this we're going to get into eventually answering the question about how do we explain to people why we have to have so many of these things. I think that's a very good question to tackle. But I think for those of us who end up with the larger collections, the fact that we can get these bins, we can make them all uniform, they match, they look pretty on a shelf, we know exactly how much shelf space they take up, and we can stack them up two or three high, which actually makes better use of our space. That becomes very important. I had a guy that was basically went to my video where I posted my tarantula room tour and said, man, it's kind of a shame you have them in those little boxes. Too bad you couldn't get them all into the glass things. And I had to explain to him, if these were all in glass things, I would have a separate house just for my tarantulas. That's that's the honest God truth. I would love to get some of these guys into more beautiful enclosures. And I've been actively looking into getting new enclosures. I'm picking up some acrylic soon. I've picked up about six or seven of the exoterra nano talls for my arboreals i found these new acrylic ones off of amazon that i use for my juvenile so i am making adjustments and changing you can find and that's one thing that needs to be made clear a lot of people think of when they think of the plastic bins the sterilite which have been kind of literally the first tarantula i ever had went into a sterilite bin that was what was the popular thing to keep them in there that's what hobbyists were using so they've been around for a long time and it's because they work But I think a lot of people immediately when you say plastic bin, think of those Sterilite containers and picture the cloudiness. And we'll get to that when we go to cons in a minute. But it doesn't all need to be that. I found some great acrylic ones online now that are quite affordable that you can use. So please understand, it doesn't just need to be the cloudy, murky plastic bins. You can find some nice stuff out there. So obviously, the fact that they are cheap. They are readily available. They are in many convenient sizes that make them perfect for various stages of a tarantula's life. Uh, There's so much going for them. The stackability is a huge plus, and let's not forget they're very, very easy to ventilate or retrofit. If you get yourself a soldering iron, some fresh air, 
possibly a mask to cover up because those fumes are noxious. Go outside and just poke those holes in. They're very easy to ventilate. I've, had, I've used hole saws before and used round vents to put in where the hole, where I use the hole saw to cut it open. Very easy to fit, even for people who aren't particularly handy. I've gotten emails from people who are very proud of the fact that they're not very handy, but they picked up some sterilized containers and did the ventilating. They're like, how do my vent holes look? And it's amazing to see. So I think hobby-wise, and and let's not forget the fact that a lot of for a lot of us a big part of the hobby is when you get into it going to these stores like Walmart and Target and Hobby Lobby or whatever it may be your local hobby store and looking to try to find those things that would make great enclosures, that's a fun part of the hobby. I love going to these places and go, man, this would make a great... I remember the first time I stumbled on one of the one-gallon clear mainstay canisters that they sell at Walmart. It was like, this is going to make a beautiful juvenile arboreal enclosure, and it did. So I think for a lot of us, that's a lot of fun. And what happens is people, unfortunately, look at that and judge and go, well, you have this beautiful GBB. Why would you put it into that? And for some people, it's because it's convenient. It's not bothering the spider. And that needs to be made very clear. This is, it's an aesthetic thing. It's not a practical issue. It's an aesthetic issue. So one person may look at it and go, man, that's an ugly enclosure for the spider. But the person keeping the spider still opens it, still sees the spider, still gets enjoyment. The spider doesn't care what it's in as long as it feels secure. The other thing I like about them, and it's particularly for a lot of the moisture-dependent species, that a lot of the things like aquariums and exoteric cages and even some of the acrylics, they're just not particularly great for fossorial species or for species that require moist substrate because the tanks, the water evaporates all at the top. Sometimes there's not enough ventilation in the acrylic enclosures when you want to put moist substrate in there. There's a lot of issues that just make it a lot easier for me to grab a certain size sterilite bin, ventilate it as much as I need to, Once you've used them for a while, you also recognize how much ventilation you need. You can change the ventilation easily. If I get an acrylic enclosure and I find out it's not well ventilated enough and I start getting mold, I'm kind of in trouble. However, one of these Sterilite containers, you can take it out. You can put some more holes in it. It makes it very easy. They're just very, very adaptable. And I will say, for some of the species, moisture-dependent species that I keep, I trust them. So, for example, my Keelobrachis. I like to keep the substrate moist. I like to make sure it doesn't evaporate too quickly. I like to make sure they have a nice depth of substrate. I can find these sterilite enclosures, these bins that are the perfect size for that, that allow for some visibility. I can still look into them, especially they make a clear one that's really nice and pretty deep. It's probably about seven, eight gallons or so. And I can put enough dirt in there and I can ventilate it in a way that I'm getting good cross ventilation, but all the moisture isn't being sucked out the top because it's an open top like an aquarium. I have two Theraphosa blondi that I'm about to rehouse. I am putting them into these sterilite bins that I've used for years. And I've had people like, oh, I hope you're going to put them in something beautiful. Yes, when they're established more and they're adults and they put on some size, I will probably look to have both of them in something really, really pretty. But at this point, it's important to me that this is a species that I'm keeping for the first time, that I make sure they don't dry out, that I'm able to maintain the moisture levels I need in that substrate so that they're healthy, but that I don't promote mold growth or anything of that nature. And for me, the best thing to go to are these sterilite containers that I've used for my Pamphobedia species, my Formictopus species. I love them. They offer enough depth of substrate. I know how to ventilate them so that I get enough airflow, but the moisture stays in there. So I'm going to these because I'm used to using them. They're easier, I think, for those species that you have to be a little more careful for how you set them up and for the husbandry. I personally find things that I can alter quickly on the fly much easier to deal with. Then, God forbid, say I set one of these up, I get a mold explosion. It's going to be a lot easier to switch them out into another one and then re 
isolate this one than it would be if I say had a glass enclosure because then I'm kind of stuck. Then I have to figure out what to do. So I do, I personally like them, especially for the smaller specimens. I have to be a little more careful with, show a little more care as far as maintaining humidity or whatnot. I like them because they're more predictable for me. I know what I'm getting. Wherein, where I try a critter keeper, say, I feel like I have to block off some of the ventilation on the very top. I leave the sides open and then sometimes have to dremel holes in the sides of it to make it, you know, get better cross ventilation. That's a little more of a pain for me and they still evaporate very quickly. So, again, I do think once you use them for a while, you get used to them. You know how to use them. They become very convenient and they, again, depending on the ones you buy, they can look good on a shelf. Now, why might people not want to use them? Number one, aesthetics. They look pretty good on a shelf, but they don't look great on a shelf. And again, we've talked about Starlight quite a bit. Those are, some of those containers can be milky. I'm constantly on the lookout for some of that softer plastic stuff that isn't completely milky, but it seems to be kind of a trait of that particular type of plastic. So I do get why people are turned off by them. Plus, I do, part of me does understand because I am actively trying to get some of my guys into more of showcasey enclosures. I do get that idea that, hey, you just spent money on a beautiful Harpectera Pulcropes female and you're sticking it in this box where you can barely see it. Yeah, I, I can get why people would get, you know, not understand that. But I do think that in some cases... The people, it's up to the person keeping it. Again, it's not going to hurt the spider. The spider isn't going to sit there and go, man, look at these digs. I'm in this sterilite container where my buddy is over there in this beautiful acrylic enclosure. It's not like that. They just need the correct setup. And for many of us, that correct setup is easier to create and maintain in one of these types of plastic bins. So beyond just the fact that they're not as aesthetically pleasing as the other two choices on this list... They just offer so much with convenience that I think that's why so many people use them. I think that's why they've become so popular in the U.S. I think that's why so many people recommend them when people are like, what do I want to put my teas in? And I will say, and I'm going to throw this out there and people can, you know, there's going to be exceptions to everything anybody can say out there. So I know there's going to be somebody ready to jump on this going, oh, I had all my guys in aquarium. I totally get it. But I do think for most folks that are just joining the hobby, these types of enclosures are a great place to start because they can kind of get their feet wet. They can figure out what makes a good tarantula enclosure. They can experiment with their own enclosures. They're easy to come by. They're not like, I can't tell you how many, I just today, two emails from people who had tarantulas in 10-gallon aquariums with wire tops, with a little bit of substrate, with death trap uh, decorations all over the place just today. No exaggeration. So this has become kind of an issue with people newer to the hobby. I do think some of these Sterilite containers are a great place to start because they're convenient, they're cheap, they don't have to make the hobby too much more expensive when they first start out, and they can kind of figure out what makes a good enclosure. I know I started there, and when I started looking for acrylic enclosures, I knew I had something specific that I was looking for. I had some ideas about what I like. I've talked a lot about with my arboreal enclosures. I like bigger ones with wider open tops because I like to work from top down. So I do plan on designing my own acrylic. I'm looking to contact somebody about doing these for me. I'm not going to do it myself right now. I just don't have the time, but I would like to create an acrylic enclosure for arboreals that would be stackable and would have that open top that would allow me a lot of room to work. And I discovered that I like that by using these sterilite containers. So I think there are a lot of people that are in my boat that start off with the bins, that use the bins, and then start to find their spiders that they want to kind of showcase. And I'm sure there are a lot of folks out there that have no intention of moving into either glass aquariums or acrylic and love them. The What the plastic bins can offer, how easy they are, and don't move away from them, and I completely understand that. So again, to encapsulate on the plastic bins, they offer a lot in terms of convenience, 
price, the ability to change them into anything you need, the how easy they are to ventilate, the fact that they are stackable. Their big downfall, their big con, the big mark against them would be the fact that they're not obviously as attractive as some of the premium enclosures, and especially the ones as some of the Sterilite or the softer plastic enclosures that can have that milky appearance can be a turnoff for people. And I will say the milky appearance is kind of irritating. I recently bought some plastic containers online at Amazon to use for juvenile enclosures and they look to be the advertisements said they're crystal clear they look to be crystal clear i get them in and they're milky so i totally get that but to knock somebody for using these is just silly it's a matter of opinion if you want to spend a lot of money and showcase it and i've seen some beautiful setups and every once in a while something pops up on instagram or facebook and i'm so jealous I totally get it and I understand that, but you got to also have respect for the person that doesn't want to do it and vice versa. If you're one of those people that uses the cheaper stuff, that doesn't mean you have to go pooing all over somebody's parade that comes out and says, I just spent 90 bucks on this beautiful acrylic enclosure by telling them you just wasted your money. That's ridiculous too. It's their money. It's their hobby. They can do whatever they want. You like making, finding things at Walmart and finding things at Hobby Lobby and changing them to fit your needs and that's great. They want to go out and spend money on something that's already pre-made and ready to go. That's great for them. It's their money. So... I think both sides of this argument need to kind of relax a little bit and understand that it comes down to what is right for the spider. If your spider is set up correctly, it shouldn't matter what the enclosure looks like. That's honestly what I believe. I've seen really beautiful enclosures with the spiders set up well. I've seen really beautiful enclosures that are not appropriate for the spider and vice versa. So the trick is to make sure whatever you use, your husbandry is correct, your spider is set up right, and the enclosure should be picked not because it looks pretty, but that picked because it's appropriate for the species you're trying to keep. So to encapsulate, they all have their pros and cons. Uh, basically, the bins are the cheap ones, but they're easy to retrofit. The aquariums, if you have the skills, can be retrofit and can make for some beautiful aquariums or some uh, beautiful cages. And the acrylics are generally a lot more pricey, but they're good right out of the box. There's a lot of things out there. Lorx Plastics does a lot of work with acrylics and has some beautiful enclosures. They've actually started drilling the ventilation holes before there were all the wire vents, so that's a good place to look. Jamie's has some gorgeous enclosures. I always love those, and I have three of those myself. I'll probably pick up more. So there are alternatives out there for people that are looking for something that just looks pretty right outside the box, and they don't mind spending more money. So again, I think I've, hopefully I've presented this in a way that's even and shows the pros and cons of each and people can decide what they really want honestly honestly as long as the spider is kept correctly i could care less what people have them in when they do the videos on youtube usually they take the tops off even if it's a cloudy sterilite you can still see that beautiful spider and i know i see mine when i do my feedings and everything i'm not always in there you know i'm in there with a flashlight all the time anyway looking in but it, it doesn't really matter what they look like aesthetically as long as you're doing giving them the correct care they need so, Chris, that'll about do it. I hope I answered your question uh, to your satisfaction there. I think that pretty much covers it all. And, again, I use all three, so I, this is something I think is easy for me to talk about because I have experience with all three, and I find that all three bring something different to the table. So it all comes down to the keeper. As always, uh, feel free to leave comments on Facebook. And if you have any more questions, I'm going to continue doing reader uh, listener questions. So please feel free to leave questions. You can also find my channel on YouTube under Tom's Big Spiders or just Tom Moran. It usually comes up. I have my website, tomsbigspiders.com. As always, thanks so much for listening and for taking the time to comment. We'll catch you guys all next time.